Academy Podcast, Episode 019, A Conversation with Jamie Coyne. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Welcome. Tell us about yourself. Uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm from Boston. Um, I went to school upstate at Colgate and um, studied English creative writing, of course. Um, I am an assistant editor at St. Martin's Press at Macmillan. Um, and so St. Martin's does really everything across the board, um, and I'm interested in a lot of that. So of market commercial women's fiction and YA, narrative nonfiction, and humor and gifty books are all things I'm working on and or interested in. Is it fun to work in the Flatiron building? Yeah. Um, it's really cool to be in the building. It's it's kind of more like theoretical, cool than like in practice, like not the best heat or <laughs> air conditioning. Um, but it's a really fun setup. And it's always kind of like walking through Narnia, like what's through this door again? I don't know. <laughs> it's a magical place. <laughs> you guys have the most oh beautiful elevators. Yeah. And they used to be like water powered or something. Insane. Buildings from 1902, I believe. So it's got some history. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I didn't even, I've never even heard of this. I'm totally fascinated. I have this like Willy Wonka image of like writing magic around every corner. I, I just, <laughs> I feel like we should have, you know, some sort of like pictures of it just to put underneath the podcast because it sounds fascinating. Yeah, you should come by and see it. It's great. <laughs> I should. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, all, our first question always is, you know, so you just told us what you do writing in an alternative universe where the, was no writing, what would you be? You know, I was thinking about this question and I kind of think I would be one of those people in an alternative universe um, that just never figured out what they want to do with their life because I th- everything I like is kind of related to publishing in some way. Um, like I would love to be an author or a journalist or a copy editor kind of like if I was not going to be a book editor. So I think I'd be kind of out of luck in a universe without publishing. <laughs> I'm glad we're in this one. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Meant to be. <laughs> so what do you do in your, I'm sure, huge amounts of spare time? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I really like to explore the city. Um, kind of like one of those people that doesn't really have like their place or places. It's more like trying everything that you can find. Um, and I do a lot of hiking whenever I can. Nice. Um, yeah, I actually, last weekend, I did this thing called the Great Saunter, which is a walk around the perimeter of Manhattan, which is 32 miles. Wow. Um, I, I only did 26 before I was like, I think I'm going to fall over and die. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> only. You just walked a marathon. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was a cool experience to do once. <laughs> That's really nice. That's awesome. I think there is like a really weird like conversion between like creative thought and being outdoors and like taking in the world from the angle of just your two feet. Totally. And just kind of seeing things differently than you do in your daily life too. Absolutely. I I know I went for a run this morning and I've lived in my neighborhood for 15 years and I went by this place and I was like, Oh, secret garden. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I was freaking out. I was like, how could I've never seen this before? You know? And I think that is like the writing mentality and like the mind of, you know, the person who creates the books, you know, that helps mold them. So that's very cool. Yeah. 
I'm always noticing new things in my neighborhood. And I don't know if that's me being unobservant or forgetful or (laughs) there's so much to unpack in the city. (laughs) There's always so much to see. And it feels like everyone's always making something. So you see the weirdest stuff all the time. I saw a giant Superman sculpture um, in somebody's window a few days ago. And yesterday I saw a metal rooster with a bow tie put out for recycling. I figured there was a story. Oh, I love things that. Put out on the curb to throw away are fascinating. They are. <laughs> yeah, I saw a bunch of old uh, psychology texts from the '60s. I think today, and so of course I like grabbed a couple to see how things have changed. They've got that nice like '60s yellowed paperback smell. <laughs> I'm just picturing all the pages are like what you feel, think and feel is wrong, and you should feel bad about them. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us, how did you get started? Um, so I've always been a big reader and writer. And so I started writing for the newspaper in high school and then very quickly um, started working on it as well, editing. Um, and so I ended up doing the newspaper all through high school and college and obviously really finding that I liked the editorial side as well, in addition to writing my op-ed pieces, oh. changing op-ed pieces, you know. Um and but newspapers just seem so fast paced and intense. Um, and you, I think you kind of just start as a reporter rather than an editor. So it's like, well, I love books. So that seems like the right thing to get into. Um, so I definitely left college knowing that that was what I wanted to look for. And I moved to the city pretty quickly without a job, just looking for that because it seemed like applying from Boston wasn't, um, wasn't working out. You needed that New York address to really get somewhere. Um, and so I interned and then I started as a temp in marketing at, um, different place in Macmillan Palgrave. Um, and I was there for a little over two years and, um, and then I switched over to St. Martin's editorial and now I've been here for three years. You guys must have so much fun. So many cool people work there. Oh, yeah. It's there's so many editors, which means there's like a lot of assistants and young people, too. And it's a really fun environment to be in. <laughs> Do you remember a favorite op-ed you wrote for your high school newspaper? Oh, God. Um, I don't I don't really remember many of them, except that the first one I wrote got me like so bullied. <laughs> it was no. terrible. Yeah. I mean, looking back, it's like, what was I thinking? But um I wrote about how my older sister had told me that people are a lot more mature in high school. And so far, that didn't really seem to be the case. And <laughs> no, people were not kind of that. <laughs> just because you were more, more mature than they are, it doesn't mean that no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was perfect and they were terrible. So no, they should really step I, up their game. I yeah, was, I was I like that in high school, way. too. It's okay. <laughs> um, what's something you've changed your mind about during your time in the industry? Well, I think something I've learned um, is with the New York Times bestsellers, I think you see that on a book and you really think like that means this is like an amazing, like the best book. When you're working in the industry, you come to realize that, well, maybe this has changed recently that there are fewer lists now, but like it's, it's a very impressive thing to get, but also a lot more books than you think have it because there were so many lists and monthly lists, you know, genre lists. Um, and it's kind of just like, it's important because we put this value on it, you know, not because it actually means this book is better than a USA Today bestseller. Um, so that's kind of, I don't know, a little sad <laughs> to think something seems so important and realize it's really more what we're putting on it. Um, what do you wish writers knew about things on our side of the desk? Um, I think there's 
a romanticized idea of what an editor does um, for writers and just anyone not in the industry, because why would you know the minutiae of someone else's field? Um, but people picture us just editing and reading all day. And in reality, that's our nights and weekends, mostly, you know, you rarely have time to read at your desk, much as you would love to get some of that done. And so, you know, in reality, we're kind of we're project managers, and there's so much for a book and for many books that we're doing, you know, in the day to day. And, you know, so that's what some of the the waiting on submission reads and stuff is, it's just that it's a lot of time, a lot on our plate more than you might think when you just picture us, you know, very studiously sitting with our glasses and our gaslit lamps with our manuscripts. <laughs> Everyone thinks <laughs> it's so leisurely, you know, like, oh, yes, I use my liquid ink pen. I sit yeah. in my armchair with my cat. There's a fire going. <laughs> There's definitely a fire, maybe a globe and some leather-bound books. And I will sit here and contemplate the edits for this paper manuscript all day. Where do you do most of your reading? Is it at home? Is it in the evenings? Do you go to coffee shops? How does it work? Um, I think if I angled my computer a little bit differently, you would see the worn spot in my bed where I tend to sit up and uh, do a lot of it. Um, I have a roommate, so I tend to hide away rather than sit out in the living room. But I get very distracted in public. Like, it's not that I'm trying to eavesdrop on your conversation. It's like, that's what I'm hearing instead of what I'm trying to do. And, <laughs> and like everyone who walks by, I maybe I'm just a little, you know, ADD. <laughs> but people, I as well am guilty of that very behavior. <laughs> people have the most Absolutely. amazing conversations in public in the city. Yeah, which is why I'm like listening to that instead of getting any work done. <laughs> maybe you just have a story focused brain and you're like, wait, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? I love when you hear a random snippet of a conversation just in passing and you're like, I'm sure this makes total sense. But we, what you just said, all that I heard sounds bizarre. And <laughs> like, I'm imagining where it could go from here. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you had Google level funding and the ability and encouragement to spend 20% of your time making something amazing, what would you make? Ooh, well, kind of like how I said that alternative universe wouldn't work out for me. Um, I think I would be an author. I would work on like the amazing, you know, next amazing American novel because, you know, I've always loved writing and it just, it takes such dedication on top of a full-time job. And I just haven't had that dedication as an adult. And I think if you gave me time and money, that would be what I would want to (laughs) do. I know, like buy an island and like (laughs) set up little cabins and like a man could come by with coffee and like scones the Manuscript Academy is good, taking money for that currently and will invite you. <laughs> yes, next kidding. time we buy an island, we'll let you know. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, Jamie, do you also find that if every day you're kind of cutting down what someone else has created, like, you know, I think of it as like growing and pruning, right? Like they grow something and then you kind of cut it into shape like a topiary. Um, That makes it so when I get home, I have a very hard time starting anything from scratch. And so anything I write down, I immediately want to cut it. Does that happen for you too? Um, I mean, I have been writing so infrequently since I became an editor that I'm not sure I could really say my method when I was writing a lot was always kind of like obsessing over what I had written a lot before I would move on. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people like do a really quick draft and then they go back to it a bunch of times. I was always more of like obsessed about this paragraph and then the next paragraph, but I also never successfully wrote a novel. So maybe that would be like a terrible way to write a novel. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like leaping to a full length work is terrifying. Yeah. It's, 
how, so hard. How do people do that? Like, I know how to edit it. I don't know how to do it in the first place. <laughs> and what if you get bored at like page 200 and several years in and you're like, I just can't look at it anymore. Yeah. You're like, even if I push through, will it be terrible? I don't know. Oh, Those are definitely fears to have. <laughs> and then the idea of sending out something as someone who works in publishing. If I ever did that, I would totally just be like, this is a pen name. You don't know me. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Sorry, writer writers at home, are you hearing them? <laughs> I mean, this is fascinating. I mean, you guys are actually having a conversation <laughs> from the point of view of a writer. Sort of, yeah. I think that is like the best thing you could have told everyone is that like we all go through this. We all go through the insecurities with our own writing and you know, just the doubts of over your work and and and, and our own our very own processes. You know, right. I think this was a really valuable conversation that people would expect you guys, the, the gatekeepers and the experts, not to be going there. Okay, but like, that's fabulous. Say I sent something out under my own name and everyone is like, uh, here are a bunch of things wrong with this. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're totally right. And then I have to run into those people a couple times a year, a year for the rest of my life. Like, that's going to be the worst. That happens to writers at conferences all the time. Okay, okay, but but it could get even worse. Like, say I do that, and then, uh, you know, where I live in Brooklyn, I, I run into people in publishing all the time. So say I do that, totally humiliated, right? And then, you know, I go to the corner store in, like, yoga pants, and my hair is doing crazy stuff, and my glasses are on, and then I run into someone who just rejected me. <laughs> and then it's going to be, like, the most awkward interaction ever, and I'll just be like, I wish I hadn't done that. This is like dating, but for submitting a manuscript <laughs> like I wish he had seen me with makeup on oh god <laughs> that's so funny well as someone that teaches writing I think that you guys should you know put some time and energy into it I would love to hear what you guys have to say mm. oh thanks I mean I the nice thing is that you're never too old right so I'm yeah. like it's never too late for me to actually put in the effort <laughs> just have not gotten there so far I, my few moments to myself I'm like Netflix would be really great right now. Yeah. Netflix is often great. One more question. One more question. Yeah. Jamie, you would say that like maybe a quarter of people in publishing probably write too, right? Or have some writing aspirations. I would think at least. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think a lot of people get into publishing because they want to be a writer and they're like, this is a related career. A lot of people assume that you just can't do both, which I think is not true. It's certainly hard to do both. Um, you certainly have big fantasies about running into people in the corner store and it being the worst thing ever. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you you have some advantages of knowing more about the industry, but also probably like more um, more things to like freak yourself out about of like, like, I know exactly how harsh people are actually going to be about this, even if I don't hear exactly what they're thinking, you know. <laughs> and you can think about all the things that could go wrong in great yeah. detail. <laughs> but it's going to go fine for everyone else. We just, you know, have imaginations and know things. So if you are a superhero, what yeah. powers would you have? Um, I would want to be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh! And just snap my fingers, be somewhere else, different outfit, all those things. Can you have Salem yeah. too? And can I come visit? <laughs> the animatronic Salem or like a legitimate cat? Um, well, he kind of switches back and forth. So both? <laughs> True. It was not very well done. <laughs> I, I, I used to live with a black cat um, until recently, so maybe that was my Salem. Aww. I, I really I did it, love the puppet, though. That was a good puppet. 
I think if my cat could have talked, it would have been pretty snarky. So. (laughs) So do you have an early memory of your time in New York City? Um, sure. I have many. Um, see, been here about five and a half years, almost six, I guess. So like a few weeks into moving in, there was like a tiny little earthquake, (laughs) just the only one I've experienced ever or here, um, which was not a big deal. But then like a week or two later, there was that hurricane. It was the year before Sandy. Oh, and it ended up being Irene. Yeah. It ended up being a tropical storm, but they made such a big deal of it. Everyone was like, where am I going to like bunker down and, uh, you know, get all the wine. And (laughs) everyone was so scared. Yes. And, um, and so my cousin still lived here at the time. She wor- she went to culinary school and she worked for Martha Stewart. And so she asked me if I wanted to come over so she wouldn't have to be alone in her apartment. Aww. And I wouldn't have to be in mine with my roommates. Um, and we got lots of food and she made amazing food because she, you know, has like a degree in that. <laughs> and, and then it wasn't scary at all. And it was amazing. <laughs> that sounds like the best storm ever. Like there's nothing like... In, in Maine, everyone's like, like a blizzard comes, like, and it, it's like, what are you going to eat? I'm going to, you know, it's like, it's a whole food scene. It's so fun. That's awesome. I know. They'll be like, ski down. I'm making ribs. Oh, my God. That's, so, I would be in a cabin in Maine if I was going to use that, you know, 20% of my time to be writing. Definitely yeah. pull Stephen King. It's fun. I, I have to say it is. Um, so what's your number one tip for writers? Um, I think I would say try your best to listen to feedback. Um, it's very hard to be objective about your own stuff. And especially if you're talking to people in the industry, you might have an inkling of what they're talking about. Um, you know, at conferences and stuff, I think you can tell sometimes that people don't really want to take what you say to heart and they just kind of keep explaining why their writing should be the way it is and and you know it's ultimately it's yours and if you want to keep it that way then you should but if someone is trying to help you you know figure out the best way to get it published make it marketable whatever their suggestion is you know they're trying to help you they have the the best of intentions and they're coming from a place of experience and if you can try and put how personal that obviously is aside and just listen it could be beneficial ultimately you know, I think that's interesting. We have so many people, we've heard when we do our 10 minutes with an expert where people, you know, drop in and talk about their first page and then, and they'll do multiple experts and they'll have conflicting advice. Mm-hmm. And I think it is about like really listening to the experts and, and really taking it in. But sometimes I think it's about like really listening and then sitting on it. Yeah. I mean, you definitely know, not just like if I say it as an editor, it is it is right. truth and it is right. Right. But, you know, but consider it really don't just right. brush it aside. Right. Absolutely. And I think, I think especially when you're getting conflicting advice from people that when you just take the time just to maybe walk away from that advice, come back to it, that you're going to know which way you want to go, especially when you do have people with different points of views and that in the industry happens all the time. Yeah. And also I think sometimes different feedback, like you should do X. No, you should do Y. Sometimes X and Y can lead you to the same place. It's just different ways of going about it. So I think that's sometimes Mm -hmm. a, you know, people think about different suggestions first versus what the underlying problem is. And often I'll tell Exactly. They could be, they could be coming at the same problem from different ways. So even if you're like, I'm not sure which one of these I like, it's like, you're both telling me that something is wrong in this way, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
whether or not I want to follow your suggestion for how to fix it. Yeah, I think Mm. a lot of us try so hard to be constructive that our brains are trained to go to solutions versus problems first, which is uh, more uplifting in terms of, you know, hey, try doing this thing versus this thing is bad. Um, But I think most problems have a lot of solutions. And just because one person's brain focused on solution A and another person's brain focused on solution B doesn't necessarily mean they disagree. It's just different ways of looking at the same thing. Yeah. I agree. So <laughs> Jamie was kind enough and brave enough to come to our very first filming day with all of the jackhammers. It was an exciting day. It was an exciting day. I actually was so pleased that we got to have so many people in that awesome theater space and just being there with lights and camera and action. I don't know. I thought it was yeah, really it was fun. fun. And then we took that like fire escape photo shoot afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> It was so cool. I was so impressed with you guys and so happy by the end of that day. I was running around. I was covered in dust. I'd just been like lifting stuff all day. Like I remember, um, you know, we were clearing out an extra room to do another class. And yeah, it was just it was super exciting. I'd been wanting to do something like that for a long time. So thank you so much for coming and bearing with us and with the jackhammers. Oh, of course. I mean, I think we're all impressed with you guys for putting this all together. It seems like a really great resource to have out there. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're excited for sure. And we're just, it's so interesting to have, have people from around the world. Yeah. It's such a different conversation when you have people from all these different backgrounds. Have you been talking to people from around the world? Yeah. We have. Oh, wow. We should make a map of all of our people. I mean, it's at least should. 10 countries outside of ours, at least. Um, there was awesome. a whole group in Japan. It was, I think, a writing group, and they all joined at one point together. Wow. Isn't that cute? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and some people have had meetings at two in the morning their time because they just want to speak with an agent that badly, which I think is really, really cool and dedication and awesome. So. Yeah. Way to be dedicated to your writing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. This is very cool. Um, thank you so much, Jamie, for doing this. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's, I really appreciate just, you know, your point of view when it comes to just writers as a whole unique population. And how, you, you know, where, where your piece might be in it, you know, yeah. when it comes to your own work. Oh, before we forget, Jamie, um, where can people find you online? Um, I am on Twitter at, I believe it's Jamie D. Coyne, J-A-I-M-E. Do you have the spelling of my name somewhere? Um, mm-hmm. D. Coyne, C-O-Y-N-E. What do you like to tweet so, about? Um, I mostly just do it professionally. Um, I tend to, I, I also have a Tumblr that um, it automatically updates to and I, all I usually do on my Tumblr is um, when I finish a book, I pick a favorite quote from it and put it in there. Um, so there's those. And I did an embarrassing amount of DB Pit retweeting recently. So that's oh, probably most of what you event. would see scrolling through it. I love <laughs> Not, that event. Nothing of my own thoughts, just me liking everything else. <laughs> so many offers from that event. I swear, like I requested a whole bunch of things and then I think maybe six or seven of those things in my inbox have already received an offer. It's so cool. Wow, yeah, which means a lot of fast reading for me, but it's worth it. <laughs> and I and I took one. I just she said yes yesterday. I'm delighted. Oh, congrats! Thanks. So thank you for listening to the Manuscript Academy's podcast. If you like what you heard, you could click that subscribe button or even give us a review. And then you can check us out on manuscriptacademy.com.